Hello and welcome to Nixa Talk, the podcast for connecting and supporting the people of the asset management industry. I'm Nixa's Jeff Lamoureux and today's episode is part three in a series called Listen, Learn and Lead, a dialogue on authentic allyship. It's a recording of a candid conversation among four professionals about the Latinx perspective in the global asset management community. This panel was originally recorded live as a Nixa webinar sponsored by Northern Trust. Now let's kick things off with the panel's moderator, Capital Group's Leanne Trejo. I am Leanne Trejo. I am actually part of the Diversity Project member. I have been in the industry for over 22 years, but I'm proud to say I'm a fourth-generation Mexican-American, second to graduate in my family. And I've been one of the lucky ones, one of the fortunate ones to grow and see this industry evolve into a much more inclusive industry. Um, But I know that we've got a ways to go. So I'm excited about the opportunity that we have today to bring the Latinx perspective to you today on how we create authentic allyship. Today, I have the pleasure of having a distinguished panel, and I'd like for them to introduce themselves because I do believe introductions are very personal. So let's first start off with George Madrigal. George? Hi, everyone. I'm George Madrigal. I'm the founder and CEO of Pensera. Pensera is an investment management firm and a broker-dealer. I spent most of my career at Barclays Global Investors, uh, which was later acquired by BlackRock, and I left that firm to start my own. I'm also a first-generation Mexican-American. Thank you for joining today. Great. Thanks, George. Janice, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thank you, Leanne. Hi, everyone. This is Janeth Medina. Uh, I am a vice president and digital channels at Bank of the West. I've, I've been in regional banking for a little over eight years now. Um, and I am also first generation uh, Mexican American, first in my family to graduate from college. Um, really, really excited to be here with you all. Great, Janice. Looking forward to our dialogue today. And Luis. Thanks, Leanne. Hi, everyone. My name is Luis Choa. I'm a vice president at BYML and Wealth Management, where I'm focused on strategic planning, looking at the firm's long-term priorities in the context of setting the firm's strategy. Perfect. Thanks, Luis. Well, let's go ahead and take a look at what our objectives are today. You know, as we continue this dialogue on authentic allyship, the Latinx perspective is so important. And so today we set out to really help our team today understand Latinx barriers, accelerators, and entry into the industry. We'll want to take a look at recognizing examples of allyship and understand how to effectively offer mentorship and or sponsorship to the Latinx community. I think this is so important as we look back and reflect on our careers. We'll look at those mentorship and sponsorship opportunities and we'll understand opportunities and challenges at you know, minority-owned businesses. We'll look at the initiatives from Latinos in finance organization. We'll look at your ERGs. What are we doing right? What else needs to continue to evolve? We do have a pretty aggressive agenda today, but I do think it's going to be well worth your time as we hear from our distinguished panel. Before we get started, though, I I do want to set the stage. I I think it's important for us to understand the influence the Latinx population has on our industry, but also on the U.S. It's growing. It's significant. You know, as, as I looked at this and I looked at the Latinx population, I found that from 2014 to 2019, the population has a growth rate that outpaces the rest of the country by six times. Latinx, Hispanics, 
constitute 18.5% of the nation's population, and of all industries, they make up just shy of 18% of the labor force. But as we're talking about the financial services industry, that rate declines to 11.7% of Latinx and Hispanics in the finance and insurance industry, and that's pretty large. When we start to double-click and look at what it looks like in the securities, commodities, or other financial investment-related industries, that goes down to 7.8%. If you dig deeper, it's less than 4% of Hispanics or Latinx represented in positions of portfolio managers, executive committees, or managing directors. And this isn't all doom and gloom. 7.8% is not bad. In fact, that is some progress up from 5.9% in 2012. But we do think it's time. With the focus on diversity and inclusion and the focus on taking action, we have opportunities. In fact, when you look at the Latinx population, it's one of the youngest in the country. The median age is only 29.8 years. You've got 66,000 Latinx turning 18 every month. When we look further out and you consider that an expected 60% decline in the workforce participation by 2060, a majority of those are baby boomers, non-Latinx. What we're seeing is a trajectory of about, by 2025, one out of every two workers entering the workforce will likely be Latinx, Hispanic. The influence is growing as the U.S. ages. The question really then becomes, will we be prepared to attract and retain Latinx professionals in our industry and our organizations? Will we be able to harness their diversity to see our organizations continue to accelerate? Today, that's what we're going to tackle, and I'm glad that we have our panelists here who have plenty of experience, as you heard through their introductions. We'll start and we'll dive in, and we'll talk to them a little bit about their own professional journeys. So maybe let's start with George. George, can you provide us some background about your professional journey? I know you said you're with Pensera. We know that that is a certified minority-owned business enterprise, but talk to us a little bit about your professional journey. No, absolutely, and it has been a, a long journey now that I think about it. But one of the, the first obstacles that came to mind in thinking about um, this question is that you know, my, my, my father was a, was a migrant farm worker. My mom cleaned houses, and I, and I actually did, did a lot of manual labor uh, throughout high school and college, jobs like McDonald's and, and uh, uh, factories and lumber mills and even washing cars. So one of my, my biggest challenges was um, applying for that first role in the investment industry. And uh, I, I, didn't, I did not have a mentor at the time, so I was really operating solo, but I was, I was persistent. And so I, I, I made it uh, my, my uh, mission uh, to keep applying for investment management roles in, until I received an interview. And fortunately, I, I had strong accounting skills to begin my career. And so I leveraged that um, and eventually leveraged that to become a, a portfolio manager. But, but I do remember one of the biggest obstacles was just learning how to present myself to a corporate audience. And uh, you, you don't really, no one really 
trains you that, especially not in the Latino community. Uh, I, I couldn't find anyone back then to help. So that was a that was a big a big obstacle. Uh, but fortunately, later on in my career with with mentorship, I was able to overcome that. Perfect, George. And I think that's a great example of, of really that first inclination of, of some of that mentorship that's important. Janice, maybe you'll talk to us a little bit about your leadership, your journey um, as well. Yeah, absolutely, Leanne. Uh, and I'm, I'm loving the conversation already. Um, so, I, you know, I mentioned in my intro that I'm the first in my family to go to college and, and graduate from college. Um, and you know, with, with that, I, I had a lot of barriers. I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. And, and I like to say I, I got into finance by accident. Um, but, but it kind of, it, it kind of all started with authentic allyship and, and authentic allyship starts with authentic connections. And the reason I say that is, is because, um, I actually got connected to, my very first sponsor, which I didn't know what a sponsor was at the time, um, but I got connected to my my first sponsor through an ally that I that I had met at my college, most college, uh, and and he pretty much gave me the my first opportunity into finance. Uh, so I, I kickstarted my career um, in corporate security through this this relationship. Um, and what what one one thing that I I want to say also is. These these allies and and these connections um, all all happened when you get involved in in, in the community. Uh, a lot of a lot of these these connections that I've made throughout my career have been through organizations like Latinos in Finance. It's it, it's been through groups like like our Hispanic Resource Group at the bank and so on and so forth. And with all these connections, I've I've been very successful in in making lateral moves throughout my career. So I, I mentioned I started in corporate security and, you know, I learned a lot. I, my, my sponsor supported me in entering the corporate development uh, and, and business development world. Um, so that was a, change, a game changer for me. Uh, I, I learned a lot about strategy, um, strategic planning. I got pulled into enterprise-wide transformation projects and, um, and, and, most recently, I was able to move into our digital channels group, which is at the forefront of how we're doing business at the bank. Um, so just want to highlight that that allyship and, and mentorship team because it's it's super important, I think, um, for our Latino community to to get connected to people who are gonna connect the dots for you and 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 make connections to others that are are gonna be genuinely interested in in your success in the in your career. Absolutely. And, you know, I think what you highlight there, you know, those those real genuine relationships, connections that you have that, that introduce you, I often hear quite a bit that they Latinos, Latinx find themselves in this industry by accident or because somebody mentioned something to that um, or because you got involved in a different organization. Can we spend just a little bit more time, uh, Janet, on, on your Latinos and finance and, and the work that you've done there? Yes, absolutely. I love Latinos in finance. Um, I I went to one of their events years ago and was blown away with with their events and and just the powerful community. 
Um, so, so I, so I got involved at the leadership level and, uh, last year I was their president and this year I, I'm serving as, as their treasurer. So everything that we do within Latinos in finance is centered around connectivity, education and career advancement. And the way that we do that is through educational programming. Um, so we took our events virtual this year because of COVID. But we do a lot of industry-specific events to provide that education piece that sometimes is lacking within the community. Um, we provide opportunities for connectivity so that that um, networking piece, that, that connection piece that will allow you to network with individuals across the, the industry um, and career advancement. So we have various relationships with corporate partners who pretty much give us give us a heads up on where their opportunities are um and and they really leverage us to source diverse talent so then we're able to take that back to our membership um and and one of the really cool things that we do as well is our our mentor program which we will be closing out for this year at, at um at the end of the month um and what we do is we pair mentees with mentors so if you're interested in, in making a difference uh, in, in some in, in a young professional's life, this is a great opportunity to, to get paired with with an individual. And, and on the flip side, if you're looking for support and, and maybe you've never approached a, a potential mentor before, this is a great opportunity to start. Um, and just that the 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 last thing I'll say is we we launched our national presence um a couple years ago so we're we were founded in in the bay area and are heavily concentrated in the bay area but we we have gone national and so our membership numbers are starting to grow across the u.s so i, I think um being in this virtual remote environment allows a lot of opportunity for us to, to connect virtually now um, so regardless of where you are in the u.s please please be in touch with us i think we're we're a really strong community and are really interested in just supporting one another and helping each other out. Perfect. Yeah, I believe that, you know, in this virtual environment, it's definitely been an accelerator to some of these opportunities to really expand the networks, you know, not just locally, but, but more broadly across the nation. So thank, thank you for sharing that. Maybe let's transition over to Luis. If, if you wouldn't mind also sharing a little bit more about your background and your professional journey, you know, as you think about that, has, has there been anything specific in the industry that's made it either more or less difficult for you as a Latino in, in our industry to to enter or advance? Thanks, Leanne. Yes, of course. I found my way through the industry through actually volunteering and, and staying connected with the Latinx community. It was through signing up for a mentorship program at my college and taking initiative to learn how does the industry work, taking the classes in accounting, finance, economics. And it was through these sort of like forums and, and working with alumni that I started my career in investment banking. I feel that uh, through these programs such as mentoring or, or working with the Latinx community, it's a way to really understand the industry and to gain those skills necessary in order to make the transition from being a student to an early professional.
Thanks, Luis. And, and I do think, you know, what I hear through both kind of yours, your professional journey as well as Janice, and, you know, what I heard from, from George is that mentorship, allyship, so extremely important, the connectivity, the networking, really finding ways to stay connected, even if it's just through volunteering early on in your career. You maybe you'd like to shift a little bit to um, a specific example. I don't know if, if one of you would like to maybe share a specific example of where an ally specifically helped you in your career that really made a difference for you? Um, does anybody want to go first with that particular question? Yeah, I, I will. This is, uh, this is George. So, yeah, allyship, mentorship is, is super important for career development. And as I mentioned earlier, I didn't start off with, uh, with a mentor at all. But I'll tell you what, the first, uh, the first year that I landed inside an investment company, what I did is I aggressively networked with mid-level and senior managers trying to look for allies and look for a mentor. And, uh, and I, uh, I lucked out. I really did. I, I met this, um, this head of portfolio management uh, at, at my company, and I was acting as a fund accountant at the time. And she uh, she took notice of my um, of uh, my reliability and skills with respect to performance attribution. Uh, but I uh, we befriended each other, and she um, basically helped shepherd me into my first big break uh, in my career, which was the migration from fund accounting to uh, to international equity portfolio management. And she uh, she was the hiring manager, but she recommended me to the interview panel, and it was a, a rigorous process. But I was able to to land that job, and um, it was because of of her of her mentorship throughout that process. And um, over the years, we uh, I worked on and off with her for probably ten years, but she was a mentor the whole time. And, and even today, she's a uh, she's a friend and a mentor, you know, twenty plus years later. But if it wasn't for that mentorship that she provided, there, there's no way I would have been able to make some of the, some of the leaps that I did in my career. So if you don't have a mentor or an ally network, you need to go get one. I think what I love about what you just shared, George, is it's a little bit of both, right? It's both that mentorship and sponsorship or allyship that is coming to you through your network. But you also described a little bit about, you know, how you you know, took a proactive approach. You aggressively kind of sought out those that, for areas that you were interested in. And, and through that, you know, your mentor was able to see the skills, your reliability, your skills that then allowed you to take that bridge into the next step. So I do think that that definitely highlights the importance there. You know, maybe, you know, I know we've got a wide audience on our call today. You know, I think about those that are seeking mentorship or sponsorship, but we may also have, you know, others that offer the mentorship and sponsorship to these. You know, when I think about mentees, and, and Luis, maybe we can go to you with this one. How can mentees contribute to their own mentor's growth when you think about, you know, what is it, you know, I, I do think mentorship should be kind of a two-way relationship there, but what is it that a mentee might be able to offer their mentor? in their own professional um, and developmental growth? Of course. And I think it's a great question. I feel for mentees, the value that they bring is by being proactive and consistent with follow-through. So, for example, let's say a mentee reaches out and speaks to the mentor or potential mentor, and they want to show that uh, interest in learning, that taking the initiative and sharing what they've learned so far in terms of their industry, how they understand things, and to start really with what they know and share key takeaways or action ideas from, call it like, interesting news articles or eco-research reports that shed light on strategic themes and opportunities. But that's a way to help bridge that gap in terms of 
you know, the making that two-way communication and really building that relationship so that both parties are, are making the most of the opportunity. Thanks, Luis. Absolutely. I mean, for me, I, I do think um, having that opportunity to, to share those ideas, to have the two-way relationship, the two-way communication is so vitally important, right? I mean, I think that's how you get to that area where, George, I think you even mentioned your mentor is now your friend many years later. Over time, a good, healthy, strong kind of mentor-mentee relationship is one that offers both the mentee an opportunity to kind of learn from prior experience, but the mentor to even learn. And when we think about the Latinx community, particularly if you are a sponsor or a mentor that is non-Latinx or non-considered Latinx, you know, what could we learn to continue to, to develop and, and, and you know, think about um, the inclusivity of our own organizations? Thanks for sharing, Luis. You know, when I think about how sponsors can expand their support, you know, oftentimes we see lots of maybe support in early career. Um, I think back to my own personal career journey. Um, I started, again, 22 years ago in this industry, and I started, I think, similar to you, Janice, I kind of, um, by accident, found myself looking for a space, found a job, a job, and made it a career through the opportunities I had with my own mentorship. But over time, I did see that mentorship grow. Um, not just at the entry level, but through my mid-career and even in C-suite type positions. So maybe, you know, how can sponsors expand their support from entry level or C to C-suite employees in their organizations? And maybe I'll go to you, George, but I'll open it up to Luis or Janice if you'd like to also um, respond to that. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, from my position as CEO, I, I, start, I started mentoring uh, college students and investment professionals some Latinx, uh, some just, just other ethnicities, I'd say about 10 years ago. And what I, what I found was that there was this uh, reverse mentoring type of situation that, that, uh, that came about that has actually become very valuable to me as I've grown my firm. You know, I learn a lot from the, uh, the younger generation's opinions on things, um, namely things like, like technology, but also how they view the world. Uh, both within the Latinx community and, and and others. So to me, that's been extraordinarily valuable. I, I tend to mentor at least one person a year, sometimes two or three. Uh, but I'm I'm always taken aback by how much I learn by uh, you know by by mentoring someone. It winds up being the reverse situation, as I was saying. Absolutely. We can always count on those young professionals to keep us up with the latest and greatest on all the technology apps and everything else that's out there for sure. Um, thanks for sharing, George. Luis, Janice, would you like to comment on that question at all? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I feel like when it comes to providing that level of sponsorship or allyship, it's about making sure people feel included. And that could be things like bringing in a guest speaker from a different department or just organizing these cross-functional initiatives so diverse perspectives can be engaged in shaping the company's direction. I, I, I'd like to jump in on this this piece because I think it's so important. And, and you know, I'm a little over eight years in my career. I've done pretty well for myself. I feel really fortunate. Um, one of the key th uh, themes that I keep hearing with some of my mentors and and other Latinos that are further ahead in their career is that you know it's it's really lonely at the top and and the more the more you move up in your career the 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 harder it gets 
right, to to move um, into those leadership positions. And, you know, I, I've made now this is my fourth lateral move going into digital channels. Um, and one of the things that has worked for me personally, and I think we, we need to empower our our um, Latinx community around is, is speaking up and advocating for yourself. You know, I think as, as Latinos, we, we were taught culturally that, you know, you work hard and, and your work will speak for itself. Well, I, I've, I've actually found that that's not the case. Like we, we need to celebrate our, our own wins and, and we need to be able to, to relay them and, um, and we need to be able to ask for, for what it is that we deserve. Right. A lot of times, um, some of the feedback that I've received as well from mentors is, you know, um, closed mouths don't get fed. And, and, and two, um, we don't know what we don't know. Right. So sometimes maybe our sponsors don't know that we're trying to pursue a, a leadership position, or maybe we're not right asking our mentors the right questions. Right. If, if, if I see myself as a managing director with a team of, of 10, um, five years from now, what do I need to do now to get there? Right. So, um, I think, I think being more strategic and intentional about our own career journeys and making sure we truly leverage these sponsors effectively is, is, would be a game changer, um, in terms of mobility for, for our Latinos in the finance industry. So important, important, Janet. I absolutely agree. I, I do know, you know, earlier in my career, those were some of the same things I heard as well, right? You got to learn to advocate for yourself, to speak up. And that's, that's culturally, that can be very difficult at times to be able to do that, to be able to not, not so much have the confidence to be able to put that in a position that still demonstrates some humility, but recognizes, you know, where you can continue to contribute and grow within the organization. Maybe I'm going to switch over to Luis. I know you wanted to maybe talk a little bit about how you actually go about finding a mentor or an ally. Do you have a perspective on how we actually go about finding them? Yes, absolutely. And I feel like this is an important issue for every particular professional stage. You know, it first starts off with looking into alumni networks, looking into professional associations, or even at the office place, looking up folks in the department that you're interested in, taking that initial interest and reading about that function taking that uh, introduction and sharing what you know uh, in these like individual coffee chats. It's over time that you, you develop the relationship with that person. It's not something like asking or applying for a particular type of uh, role as a mentee, but those formal programs do exist. But what I find as a best practice is to develop those relationships over time through consistent patience, persistence, and keeping up that follow through. Consistent. And the follow through. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to take a pause here and just remind our audience that if you do have a question for our panelists, you're welcome to use the chat feature in our function and, and put questions out there. We're happy to take additional questions. Otherwise, we're going to go ahead and switch gears here um, for just a little bit. I'd like to talk a little bit um, about 
diversity and inclusion, it's been obviously something that's been very important for many organizations for many years. And, you know, as I mentioned early on, we're seeing some progress, um, but not nearly enough. I think, you know, Janet, you just mentioned it's lonely at the top, right? What does that mean for diverse candidates if we're not seeing the, the diversity and inclusion at all levels of our organization? So maybe, you know, George, if you could maybe share with us again, as a, as a certified minority-owned business owner. Can you share with us how how does your firm tackle DNI? Yeah, thanks for thanks for asking that. It's it's interesting because when I launched my firm, I didn't really think of it as a minority-owned business. I was just trying to build a you know a, 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 a high-quality investment management and broker dealer. Uh, and similarly, when I when I started my company, I didn't think too much about DNI. Right. As, as a CEO, I was always looking for the best people, irrespective of you know race, gender, or gender identity. And then as a as a, as a Latino, I was I was diversity comes natural, so it was it was a bit effortless uh, as I as I hired people. But what what happened was after after about a decade, I think we had somewhere around forty percent of our employees were were diverse. And um, but then we went through a period of rapid growth, and we went through an acquisition, and we found our numbers dropping uh, much more than I, than I wanted to see. So we 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 formally organized a a DNI committee, and we did that uh, you know for a couple reasons. But the primary one was to hold me and the firm accountable for diverse hiring practices. And then the second was to make sure we had an environment here, a culture here that was uh, uh, open and embraced, um, you know, all different types of ethnicities and and, uh, uh, and inclusion and what and whatnot. So that DNI committee has has been a very powerful voice in uh, at my firm, and uh, and and they they never let me let uh, let my guard down. They are always challenging me to do better. Uh, and so, if you don't have a, a DNI committee at your firm, irrespective of the size, you, you really should have one. And I think even more so is that you have to empower that that group to to be a voice and not just be window dressing. So so important. I think hearing that ability to to have to have a voice to kind of have a seat at the table around diversity and inclusion efforts within your own organization starts to create that path where people do feel included. I think Luis, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, and even in some of my research, you're really looking at that is what you know the the next generation of Latinx young professionals are looking for a place where they can feel connected, a place where they can feel included and having um, diverse or DNI kind of committees there to not only just look at the hiring practices, right, but are you maintaining that through the culture on an ongoing basis there? Um, on the uh, accountability piece of it there, George, are, are there anything specific? I mean, are you just are you meeting with the team? How do they hold you accountable? Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So the the DNI committee meets once a month, and they meet once a quarter with myself and my director of HR. And the the primary goal, as I mentioned, is to review the diversity stats, uh, ethnic and, and gender diversity stats at the firm, and uh, and and see what we're doing well and and what we're not. 
typically those, those meetings, as I mentioned, are held without me, but every quarter I come in and, um, and, and listen to what they have to say and, and their findings, and then we work out a plan on how to, um, how to address the issue. I, I, I will say, for example, we've had some recent hires this year during you know, the, the COVID crisis, and uh, we, we knew we had to do better, and so we, we made a um, we cast a wider net while we were um, uh, trying to recruit people, uh, so that we had a uh, you know a, a broader set of candidates that were uh, meeting some of the um, the the areas where we were lagging in diversity. But all that comes from the DNI committee in concert with HR and and myself. So you know all, all three of us. Uh, the, the committee and, and, and uh, HR and myself have a seat at the table, and uh, we challenge each other to do better. Better, but that's how. Great, George. Thank you. I really, you're kind of hearing three prongs to that. Really, I mean, it's it starts at the top, but it also it means we want more inclusivity with our teams. So your committee, your HR, CEO, kind of pulling those pieces together. Luis, Janet, I don't know if either one of you want to respond to that one, how maybe your firms are also measuring kind of DNI success, particularly or specifically with the Latinx community. Yes, certainly. You know, it's a, it's a lot of sort of the ERGs and BRGs and how quality the programming is in place in terms of looking at attendees, looking at the engagement with the audience, and making sure that we have the external facing activities as well in order to develop the pipeline, maintain the pipeline, and cultivate talent wherever the, the talent is uh, is located. And we have to be where the, the, the clients are as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, I'll just say, um, I, I think I, I for for most companies that I'm, I'm I'm aware of, these these DEI efforts are very much driven by the ERGs within the company, um, the 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 research groups, and um, particularly for for the Latinx resource group at, at my bank, uh, we do a lot of work around leadership development and and career coaching. Um, you know, as we've heard the the themes in, in today's call, there's a huge need there. So um, getting support support from the top to fund those is, is extremely important. But there's so much work that we need to do in, in the DEI space. I mean, um, like for example, the 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 wage gaps are are real, right? Like so, when we think about transparency, there, um, I, I'm I would I'm not I'm not too familiar with where we are, uh, particularly at my bank. But I think just this industry specific is is a big thing that we need to tackle. Um, so, I, yeah, we have a lot of work to do in that space. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and, I, and not putting it all on the research groups. It can't be all on the research groups. <laughs> it can't be all on the research groups. It can't be all on, you know, any particular committee or HR. I think it's definitely going to be a group effort. You know, we did get a question in our, our Q&A, and it says, you know, is holding people accountable enough, um, and, and really don't we need diverse interview panels or minimum number of diverse candidates on the interview slates? You know, as as you, as our panelists kind of reflect on your own hiring, and maybe I'll share a little bit here um, from my own perspective, I, I would say yes, absolutely. It, it isn't enough to just kind of do the accountability. It's kind of all the way through, and I think that kind of speaks a little bit to, George, how you've talked about, you know, the culture, but that culture is in the hiring practices, right? So are we looking at some of the um, 
with maybe where are we sourcing from, right, number one. Um, number two, who is on our interview panel? I'll give you a specific example. More recently, we do have a couple of, of sales and distribution opportunities um, within our organization. And we said, well, let's make sure we've got a diverse panel, um, regardless of, of maybe where they sit. And so there was really opportunities to say, who has maybe had distribution experience that goes across the lenses of diversity, gender, ethnicity, et cetera, bringing that together, making sure you've got that panelist that has that and is involved in the decision-making um, for that next hire. So I know that's an example um, that I can share personally. I don't know, George, Luis, or, or Janet, if you'd like to maybe respond, are there other ways beyond the accountability piece that you ensure we've got you know, diverse candidates, particularly Latinx um, candidates in this space? I can jump in. This is this is George again. Well, and I saw the question there that was that was posed as well. You know, we, uh, you know, casting a wider net is 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 not always enough. And and you know, with with our candidate pool, if we find that we tend to be lopsided for one group or another, uh, many times we'll we'll just try a different avenue to expand the number of candidates that that go through the interview process. I'd say a few years ago that was probably less of a concerted effort. These days, it's it really is a genuine focus uh, to, to make sure that we have enough uh, enough qualified candidates that cover all the various uh, the various groups, and and we do that um, in a variety of ways. Like we we uh, we are my firm and my colleagues are, are speakers at at local Latinx organizations, for example. I, we've actually participated in the Latinos in Finance as, as speakers before. And, and then we um, we speak at local colleges uh, that, that foster to diverse groups as well. And, and then we've, we've uh, we formed relationships with our local universities. We're, we're out here in San Francisco and Chicago and then the East Coast, so we've established relationships there as well. Uh, and between all that and our and our various networks uh we've we've been successful in hiring not only a diverse group but also uh, latinx uh, can, uh candidates as well that's been useful to us and then one last thing just to to add to this you know part of making uh, diversity a, a focus at a firm is 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 an acknowledgement that you're going to meet certain goals and and something that that we did last year is that there's a uh, there's an initiative out there called the Hispanic Promise, and that is uh, that is something that we signed. It's it's part of the We Are All Human um, uh, organization, and, and there that's a that's a uh, a national pledge to to hire, promote, retain, and and celebrate Hispanics in the workplace. So we felt that. That making that outwardly, uh, that announcement outwardly uh, uh, to, to others outside the firm, and then also to our employees, kind of forced a level of accountability as well. Um, but all those things, I think, have, found, have been useful in helping us find qualified, diverse candidates, especially Latinx candidates. Great, George. Thank you. You know, maybe we'll, we'll transition a little bit. I know we've got a couple more questions coming in, so we'll take a look at those questions. But while we're doing that, Janet, if you want to maybe talk a little bit, I know um, George talked about how he has had some participation in Latinos in finance, um, the organization itself. Can you talk a little bit about some, some more of the initiatives and maybe talk a little bit about the membership breakdown? Because I do think that's probably a great source uh, of candidates. So, again, kind of thinking about the full um, 
you know, spectrum, that full journey, it's it's everything from the very beginning, you know, finding the candidates coming in the door, that that interview process, as well as the, the career journey um, and then the mentor allyship that we've already talked about. So maybe talk to us about um, Latinos in finance. What are some of the initiatives and what does the membership breakdown look like? Yeah, absolutely, Leanne. Um, so our our membership is super diverse. It's 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 diverse, and 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 the and the industries that it covers is is uh, they're pretty broad. Um, but we have we have you know students who are wanting to learn more about finance and how to break in. We have younger professionals who just kickstarted their career, maybe are are a couple, a few years in. Um, we we have mid-level professionals uh, who who are a little more further ahead in their career, and 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 our our membership also consists of more more seasoned senior leaders. Um, so the, the, these are people at, at the CEO level, executive level, um, and you know we 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 leverage our senior leaders a lot um, as an opportunity for them to you know, come and, and, and share their wisdom with with the younger professionals. And, and we do that through various events throughout the year. Um, what one of our, our signature events is the the annual boot camp that we put together. And and what we do there is is we bring professionals from different sectors to come and pretty much give give high level um, workshops around the topics that, that they cover in, in, in their day-to-day job, right, and, and what that looks like. And, and the audience here is, is, are the students who are trying to break in. Um, that's, that's how we engage a lot of our, our senior leaders um, who, who are usually sourced from the, the corporate sponsor relationships that we have. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's been a, a, a great way to pretty much keep both parties engaged, right? And 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 allow for, for both parties to get something out of this in a meaningful way. Uh so allowing an opportunity to give back and and, and then bringing education and, and opportunities for networking for for our younger professionals. Um one of the one of the things that I mentioned before is also the mentor program. Uh again, you know, a lot of people think that looking for a mentor is really daunting or just the whole notion around networking could be really daunting. Well, this is a great way to kind of get started. And, and yeah, we pair, we pair our mentees with professionals that are, are in the sector that interests them. Um, and we facilitate that, that mentorship relationship for an entire year. Uh, and, and uh, the last way that we do it, and, and I, I mentioned this briefly, it's around the, the events that we put together, these are industry-specific events. That's that's another way that we engage our, our corporate partners. Um, so so not so much the signature annual boot camp, but you know just like events that we do throughout the year. Uh, and and something that I do want to touch on in terms of of corporate sponsorships and and corporate partnerships is we we actually put together resume books for for these these corporate partners. So when I think about sourcing diverse talent, we 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 try to facilitate those connections um to diverse talent for, through those these resumes books that we put together. So we're not at a shortage of of diverse talent here. I think um 
I think I think it goes back to you know what what you mentioned, Leanne. Uh, how 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 are we sourcing this this talent? You know how how what do our our, our interview committees look like? Um, and how intentional are we we being when we think about mobility within the firms um, and and visibility opportunities within the firms for this talent? So um, Latinos in finance has has partnered very meaningfully with with a lot of companies to help them think through that. And and we're very we're very happy and open to to sharing our membership base with them to source that diverse talent from. Absolutely, thanks, Janice. So lots of opportunities, I think, for you know our participants today to to recognize you know the opportunities with Latinos in finance and and definitely the the pool of of available candidates that potentially you could find through that organization. Maybe let's shift gears a little bit. And Louise, talk a little bit about, I know you're part of your organization's impact group or your, you know, employee resource group. Um, what are they doing right? You know, again, I think about that really then becomes more about the journey or the the life cycle of an employee that's now with the organization. So they've already come in the door, they've been hired, and now we've got employee resource groups. You know, what are they doing right? And, and, and anything that you're seeing in terms of trends there? Yes, of course. When it comes to employee resource groups, it's a lot of fostering that internal community within the company. It could be cultural events, it could bring it's about bringing awareness to different themes and really identifying opportunities on how to get different teams to work across functions, looking at different disciplines and, you know, fostering that collaboration, really. In terms of the sort of evolution, this is a big shift that I've noticed that uh, employee resource groups are becoming more like business resource groups, looking at things like metrics, informing client insights, providing that perspective as well, you know, based on the heritage, the cultural understanding those individual nuances that are particularly important nowadays. Absolutely. You know, when I think about employee resource groups kind of transitioning into business resource groups, I know we're, we use them quite a bit um, in, in helping us to define, you know, even just problem solve. You know, what's a, what's a, the newest, you know, challenge that we have out on the business? How can they leverage their um, own experiences regardless of where they are in role? Because it does give them exactly as you've described, kind of the opportunity to work with each other across business functions, across different um, um, roles, different types of positions within the organization. And oftentimes I think what I see with Latinx and, you know, Hispanic community is when we're going to the interview, we might not have the experience that maybe another candidate has had. And so these types of opportunities within a business resource group to, to solve a problem, to gain some experience they would have not otherwise had exposure to, can make them much more competitive in the long run. And so something definitely worth um, continuing to pursue there. Absolutely. And just wanted to add, it also helps shape things like product development. I remember growing up, uh, there was a brand in the neighborhood and that's a major uh, national type of a uh, company, and they came up with an Orchata product this one time. So, you know, these forums are incredibly vital to help companies' direction. Absolutely. Leveraging our, our resource groups quite a bit as it relates to, you know, product development. And again, you know, just kind of looking at the stats of, of the Hispanic community, Latinx community in the U.S., it is a, it is a growing and a very young um, community here in the U.S., lots of opportunities growing there. 
Um, you know, there's a couple questions that are, are coming through, and maybe I'll throw this out to um, the panelists more broadly. You know, when we're thinking about holding ourselves accountable to diversity and inclusion, particularly here we're talking about Latinx um, professionals, how do we avoid tokenism when we're holding ourselves accountable when hiring, right? How do, how do we make sure that um, we're avoiding that? Any thoughts there? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the first stab at that. This is uh, George from Pensera. You know, what, what we've done is is that uh, we, we focused our, our diversity hires on the ju junior level professionals because when you think about it, there's that's probably the, the, the one point in their careers where they are the, the, the most similar, the, the most moldable, um, and probably the hardest working uh, out of college because they really want to prove themselves. And so we, we've taken the stance internally that there's there's no excuse for not having a, su a super diverse junior workforce, you know, because they they are you know a, a, a bit similar um, right out of right out of out of college. That becomes more complex, of course, over time as as you um, uh, try to find more more seasoned professionals. But personally, I don't think there's any any reason to not have a, a diverse workforce right out of right out of school. Right out of school. Great, thank you. You're definitely seeing lots of right out of school. We've seen lots of, you know, entry-level type positions. There was another one that, you know, talked a little bit about workforce um, reductions or, or rifts in the industry. And, and, you know, anybody notice bigger impacts on the Latinx community? I will maybe start and then I'll open it up to the group. I've been fortunate to not have to do that. But I will say, you know, when I think about that question, whether you've had to experience that or not, where do we find a majority of kind of Latinx, Hispanic? Obviously, what we're seeing, right, is they're not in more senior level positions, but certainly in kind of more of your entry level, right out of college level. So depending on where that impacts, I, you know, kind of looking at your stats or having a good um, perspective, a good view. You know, George talked a little bit about really that partnership between HR and your, you know, committees and, and your CEO all the way at the top, really recognizing where that is going to have an impact on your organization, particularly as we're trying to develop Latinx, Hispanics into more senior level positions. I don't know if, if um, any one of the panelists want to maybe respond to that or how you're thinking about that in, in those types of situations. Holly-Ann, it's what? Luis from BYU Mellon. Just wanted mm -hmm. to jump in here. When it comes to this topic, it's really about building bridges between different functions and, and fostering collaboration. You know, when you think about this topic, some people say it's a challenge, but every challenge is also an opportunity. It's a matter of how do you look at it, ways to step in, grow outside of your comfort zone, and to really take a initiative with regards to how you shape your career and, and the types of, of uh, works that you'll be known for and develop your, your reputation. Perfect. Thanks, Luis. All right, we've got another question coming in um, now. Maybe I'll, I'll give this one to you, Janet. Um, when we're describing about, um, or kind of talking a little bit about Latinos in finance, it doesn't seem too different than Alpha. You know, what gaps does your organization feel um, Alpha has that you might be feeling in a better way, or, or maybe just talk about the differences that you might see between both of the. Um, or sure. Yeah, we love Alpha. We love Alpha. Thank you for that question. Um, we 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 partner with with Alpha a lot uh, when when putting events together, programming together. Um, 
we actually met with them earlier this year to revamp our mentor program. Um, one of the things that that we promote is collaboration, right? We don't, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. So where there's where there's opportunities to collaborate, we we surely do that. Um, something I will say is that Alpha is very much focused on on the younger professional side um, and providing resources and support there. One of the things that that Latinos in finance is, is really focusing on focusing on um, over the last couple of years and 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 just thinking more long term is filling that gap um, in in terms of providing resources and opportunities for connectivity for more senior professionals. You know, and that that's kind of one of the themes that came up today, uh, and and I think you touched on it a little bit, George. Um, but really, really creating opportunities for for people at the at the top levels to connect and brainstorm around some of these questions that we touched on today, right? And and then um, turning them into actionable items, um, brainstorming around how how do we create visibility for for our community more, you know, as as we we move up up the ranks. That's one of the gaps that that we're trying to fill as an organization. Um, so moving beyond moving beyond um, just the junior level professional junior level professional level to the senior level professional level, and and when we think about diversity and inclusion, um, levering, leveraging our senior leaders to really move the needle there. Absolutely. I think that's a, a great segue, Janice. I know we've only got a few minutes left and, and maybe, you know, you talked a little bit about moving towards action items and maybe let, let me just leave our audience with this. We talked a lot today about, you know, this allyship and in particular the Latinx perspective. You know, it, it's such a, a nuanced area for us, right? Because we, we, we talked a little bit about how sometimes you don't know what you don't know and it really takes an ally to maybe introduce you to a new opportunity, to a new individual, a new networking opportunity you know, take the action and, and, and be an ally to Latinx uh, professionals in the industry, harness the power of the diversity that they bring to the table on an ongoing basis. You know, we think about kind of where you are sourcing, you know, are we sourcing, are you looking at the diverse pool of opportunities are out there? We heard a lot about Latinos in finance today. Thank you, Janice, for sharing um, your own experience with that and how you've been able to leverage that and staying involved. Luis, Luis you talked a lot about volunteering and staying involved so that you are you know, able to make those introductions and get in the door, but then what are we doing internally so that we can continue to see these Latinx professionals continue to grow within their career? And, and, and you know, as we think about the growing Hispanic population, Latinx population in the U.S., millennials are looking for a place to feel comfortable, to see themselves staying for a long time. And, and as an organization, when we develop and implement, you know, benefits or designs into that space, we'll be able to leverage them and see them grow within our organizations. We'll be able to retain them much longer. Be an authentic ally. You know, find if you're not, you know, if you're not today yet an ally, a sponsor for an, a Latinx um, associate or employee within your organization, I challenge you each to find an opportunity to do that. There's plenty of opportunities to harness that diversity there. You've been listening to Nixa Talk. Nixa is a trade association supporting all types of professionals within the asset management community. For information on how your firm can become a member, visit nixa.org/membership. Subscribe to Nixa Talk on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app, and let us know your thoughts by reviewing our podcast on iTunes, 
and connecting with us on Twitter at Nixa News. For over 50 years, Nixa has been connecting the people of the asset management industry to share best practices. Join the conversation today at nixa.org.